Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another one of the Tour Diary series. Um, it may not look like we're on tour, but this is actually the night before a gig, isn't it? Where are we going tomorrow? We're going to a gig up north of England. Way up north. Way up north uh, to play for everyone. Accent um, north. Accent north. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be able to hear a difference when <laughs> someone talks to you at the petrol station. Um, we thought we'd do this little diary series. Actually, before that, let's introduce our guest. Now, I'm not sure when we're doing this and when we're releasing this in conjunction with his first episode, so we'll just introduce him again. This is the Jack J. Hutchinson Band's roadie. Uh, more than a roadie, though, isn't he? He does yeah. so much for us. Um, roadie, merch man. Merch guy, roadie, driver, mor morale therapist. giver, therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm pissed off with Felipe, I, I, say, I come in after the gig, I say, Johnny... Johnny, Felipe <laughs> played an offbeat on the second bar, and I just cannot stand and put up with this amateur prophet stuff anymore. And Felipe goes to him and says, uh, Lads, he tuned his string too sharp, and it's doing my head in. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I, I just tell him to grow up. That's it, and that's all you mean. Um, so anyway, this is Mr. Johnny Della. Um, also Johnny, known as Tenacious Della. Tenacious Della. Tenacious Della. Tenacious Della as well. Um, and like I said, I'm not sure. We've done a few episodes with Johnny as well, so we're not sure where this currently sits in terms of where it comes out. But anyway, Jack J. Hutchinson Band's roadie, Mr. Johnny Della. Um, and we were literally just sat here watching um a, do a documentary about one of our favorite albums that we're going to do an episode on and drinking johnny beer. drinking beer i can't say the name of the beer because youtube is going to block the video if i say the name yeah of the beer. we're drinking a beer Not because that, of the beer yeah we're drinking a beer <laughs> that is linked to the recent pandemic i don't know if you know what's going on oh you um, can't say pandemic no. either oh, no. we're going to be blocked so there's an can you just bleep that there's going to be an yeah. information button underneath so information <laughs> about this pandemic um but anyway we're sat here watching a documentary about an album um we've got some beers we're ready just to get an early night so we get off nice and uh quickish for the gig tomorrow and johnny asked myself and felipe well it wasn't a question really it was a statement so johnny would you like to say your question statement again and we can make it the theme of this uh tour diary series episode well uh yeah i mean it was just that i'd, I'd noticed that like a few bands that i see is that they've got uh the image but they they're not that good but they've got all the image but um, my question was, it's like, um, <laughs> it, it, well, it was more just a statement. It's like, um, that what, um, where does the talent come from? Like, it's like bands, for me, bands have to work uh, at what they do, but is, is it, it's got to be more than just talent. You have to, that you have to really like work at it. And um Felipe for me he came up with a fantastic analogy of um like uh yeah talent is only gets you so far um but you need to take it on uh more than just having natural talent. Um but what I see is a, a lot of bands have a lot of image but not a lot of substance. And for me with the um the documentary we was watching, the the band in particular that we was watching, they were great musicians. And then from going on from being great musicians, they could then have the swagger around the stage. Um, because they'd already accomplished. Because yeah. they they got to that stage where they were they were good at what they did. Yeah. And also, if you can play that well, if you, if you're so technically good at what you do. 
you don't need to think about playing anymore. Yeah. So when something comes out naturally, oh, that guy's so comfortable with his guitar playing, it's because he practiced so much, it doesn't need to think about it anymore. Yeah. So if you, if you don't need to think about your playing, then you can walk around, you can do all the performance bits, you you, you can do all the visual stuff. I, I do believe that a gig is an audio-visual experience. If you, if you just want to listen to music, you can listen to your CD or Spotify or vinyl. You don't need to go to a gig. You go to a gig to see some performance as well. And uh, I believe that if if you're really good at playing, but you don't have any anything to show on stage, it might get boring, but some people are way too focused on looking good on stage and, and performing well visually, but they sometimes are not up to the standards in terms of playing. Mm. But... Uh, loads of good bands, they can do all of it. They can they can have a really, really nice visual performance whilst playing their instruments to a really high level. What do you think, Lars? I think a lot of Queen's music, when you think about it, when they're playing it to the level that they are playing it, that allows for a sense of musical freedom to come within a performance. So yeah. actually, funnily enough, right now, um, I am learning Queen songs to do a Queen tribute band next Saturday. And so I've had to learn 20 Queen songs. And uh, they've all been based on the live at Wembley and live at Budapest um, live shows. So I've just been watching them on YouTube for the last few days. Um, and what, what gets me is when I'm, when I'm transcribing the chords and trying to figure out the structures of the songs, there are so many times where unusually it will go like just one bar over. So instead of an eight bar, it will be nine bars. Instead of 12 bars, it will be 13. And I thought, God, they can't have planned this. So this must have been a live jam. But that means that Roger Taylor was prepared with his fill and the rest of the band knew what they were waiting for a particular fill yeah. before the chorus comes back in. Yeah. And when you have that kind of knowledge and you can rely upon your bandmates to that extent, then the performance comes naturally. Because like you said, the song is ingrained in your head because you've played it so many times. Exactly. And when you're on tour, after preparing yourself, you know, uh, without the band and then you join the band and you play, you know, 15, 20 consecutive nights and everything just becomes... Uh, um, more like uh, muscle memory yeah. some people say you just keep you just do it and then you can actually focus on what, what you do on stage you can you know look at the audience and try to react to yeah. them and, and put make the devil horns up yeah, yeah. fists in the air it's Whatever funny you, you say about the muscle memory thing though because there was one of my tutors whenever i learn um whenever he's going to give his base homework this is from the uni we were at he would say don't learn it until you can play it Learn it. No, don't play it until you until you can play it once. Play it until you never get it wrong. Yeah, there's, there's some people say like a good musician will practice until they can get it right. Yeah, a professional musician will practice until they can't get it wrong. Which means like the muscle memory. Exactly. So you get something right. You told, Johnny was asking us about like, uh, you know, kind of where do you draw the line between natural talent. And, and actual playing, you know, professional level playing. Yeah. If you're on stage performing to an audience, um, that for me is you practice until you get it right. After you get it right, you do it again 20 times, 100 times. And then you're never, ever going to get it wrong again. That's mm -hmm. that's the level uh, people expect you to perform live. And I think what, what you mentioned the analogy I made about but I've, yeah. I've learned this from. You, you, uh, should, you should say that again. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm no. gonna mention the guy who said that to me, uh, Nestor, who is a Cuban 
uh, musician, fantastic, uh, um, big band conductor, uh, great musician. Uh, uh, and um, he he said that someone asked, I, I think I asked him about talent. Where does talent come from? What? How much uh, talent does someone need? And is it is it enough? Because I never quite believed in talent like natural talent myself. Maybe because I don't have any. Uh, so uh, he just hits but, things. Yeah, right? just yeah, just. It's just lucky that they're in time. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what he said was, um, a talent, a natural talent, is like any anything that you get for free when you're born. Like you can be tall. There's some advantage to being tall. But you can't get to the top of a building by just being tall. So you need a ladder. So the ladder would be the practice time. Let's put it like that. Someone who is shorter than you might reach the same, you know. Goal. Yeah, yeah, same goal. Get to the top of the same building by just using the same ladder, which is the, the effort you're going to put into it. And if you're taller, you could reach that point a bit earlier. But it depends, you know. Maybe the guy who's short is going to just uh, uh, put more effort into it and just climb the ladder faster than you. So it's all about it, it, talent can only take you so far. I don't believe any of those great bands that we, we love, uh, uh, they were there, they reached that level by just being natural players. I don't believe mm. in that kind of stuff. I believe there's lots of effort. You, you put so many hours into your into your task of playing your instrument or singing that it just becomes so natural and so easy that when you go on stage, your only focus is performance. Yeah. You know? Well, it's interesting you said that about the beat. Um, you said that thing about the hours. And that's, I read somewhere that the Beatles had played together for 10,000 hours before they even became the Beatles. Before the first album. Oh, is that it? Yeah. The first album. So this is when they were doing their skiffle band, they were doing a covers band, they were doing some rock and roll stuff. The Beatles had played together for 10,000 hours before the first album. Now, that's not just something that is, is mm. kind of there saying, okay, well, it's good that we've done that. That's essential. How many to have of, that much yeah. stuff, to have that much time the, together. How many of those gigs were not that good? Yeah. You know, we yeah. don't know because they were not recorded. Yeah. Do you think that that's why the 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 older classic rock bands that have been around for 50 odd years like this where you look at the stones um that in fact there, there's a whole catalog like um aerosmith is that why that they are still going strong because they've worked hard for what they've got and they're still good and there's no one coming up and pushing them off because they mix the talent with the hard work, and they're still there, and they're still doing it. Well, I won't say that people nowadays are not um, making the effort to get somewhere. There's loads of uh, young musicians who are really talented, and not only natural talent, but the 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 ability of practicing for hours and hours, and and really they really take it seriously. But uh, even for us now, and and for for many people of our generation, younger people. It's so much easier to put an album together. That doesn't mean you're going to make a great album, but just to give you one example, you can get into a studio and record one bar of bass, guitar, drums, or vocals, whatever, and you can loop that. Copy and paste. That's what technology allows you to do so quickly nowadays. And uh, imagine a band like uh, Yes or Emerson, Lake and Palmer, 
those guys who would write a 17-minute song, and they had to perform from start to finish before yeah. multi-tracking, before mm. you know, or even after they had the the option to overdub some stuff. The core of the song, like rhythm, guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, maybe they would be recorded live. So you need to start from the beginning, from the very first bar, get to the end of the song. If you're recording that 17-minute song and you do a mistake at 16 and a half, you might have to start yeah. from scratch. And, and that's where the talent comes from, isn't it? You know, you had to, to, to perform upon demand yeah. that level of music that you were saying, the bands like, yes, Pink Floyd, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, even, I suppose, Iron Maiden to an example, in their early, um, for example, in their early days. To have that level of talent, that that is a step above the rest, isn't it? It is. And even now, so think about we we, we just listened to the new Iron Maiden's uh, single. Uh, uh, and it's those guys with modern technology. It's not like denying what modern recording technology can, can, can give you. It's actually, if you're good enough to the point you can just record a 10-minute track w without... Uh, without a second chance, you just do it because you're really prepared. Mm. Imagine how easy it is to have the chance to record a block of four bars and then do it again and do it mm. again. So those guys are really good at doing things with one attempt. So if you give them more, that is so much easier for them. That's why they can they 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 they've been doing this for decades, and so they can yeah. still do it right. They can still and maybe. You can even, I could even dare to say that guys like Iron Maiden, they do it better nowadays. I think they mm. sound better than ever. Yeah, they. I think that they've grabbed the technology, they've got the talent, they've got the years behind them, and they've put it all together. And this is why they come out with album after album that are just, they just never bring out a bad album. No, They're, I think it's interesting when you think that, we have to remember as well that this is their job. Like, yeah. this is their job. The same way that, you know, we've all had jobs as well where you would... Um, Sorry. That's okay. We'd have jobs where, um, you know, any job that wasn't music, you'd sort of get into a rhythm of it. I mean, before I was a musician, I uh, I worked at a bar in, in North London. And um, the same process, when the glasses are dirty, you take them there, you wash them, and then you go, when the keg's empty, you go and refill the beer. If something's out, you go and bring bottles of it up. It just becomes formulaic after a while. And I'm talking formulaic as in you'd know that Saturday night was going to be busy at a bar, but and that that's over weeks. But with Iron Maiden, over literal decades, it, the process has been the same. Go out on tour, tour the, tour the latest album, take a few months for yourself to, you know, re-energise, get together, rehearse and write some new tracks, rehearse and record the new tracks, put the album out, tour the album and repeat. Yeah. Repeat every two or three years. So this is just their job. It's it's second nature for them. And whilst they are incredibly sounds, talented. Yeah, it sounds easy. It's just useful for them. It's, I can imagine that they've still got to come up with the goods. Yeah, and, the, and, and the, that's where the talent comes yeah, from. Yeah, and the pressure must be even higher for them because if they release a bad album, but everybody's going to exactly. be on it. It's really interesting what yeah. you said, though, about having to do it time and time again because... I listened to the album. Okay, this will this will be a spoiler of when we recorded this. Uh, the new Iron Maiden album, Senjutsu, came out this morning, um, and today's the 3rd of September. So at midnight last night, I stayed up and listened to the album. I wanted to hear it as soon as it came out. And I, I heard several riffs and solos and guitar harmonies that the first one bar I'd heard in another Iron Maiden song, but the second half was completely different. 
So there's a, one of the songs had a guitar harmony part that sounded like it was from Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, but I heard it and the second half was different. And I thought, this is how a band like Iron Maiden have survived. They've recycled ideas, but changed them completely. And when you're getting to your, what is this, their 17th album, yeah, they need your, you know, they have a very distinct sound, Iron Maiden, but they can still come up with new material. Is that what talent is in the end of the day? For me, it's... I think uh, it's songwriting talent. Well, yeah, exactly, because talent in that sense um, comes from practice anyway. If you practice so much, the, and writing songs requires practice as well, because you might write a beautiful song that doesn't sound good. So what you do... You do it again. Yeah. You try to do it better. You change one note or two. You change the lyrics. So that is a that is practicing. You practice songwriting. You practice everything. There is a formula to everything. Even when you're doing something that you're kind of aiming for total innovation, you're going to find your own formula, but it's still a formula. Yeah. There is mm. still a method to anything you do. But regardless I, of formulas, the work still has the, to be put in. Exactly. The time, the energy, the enthusiasm, the passion, the late nights, the blood, the sweat, the tears, all has to go into getting better and improving you to yourself. Exactly. And you think about if you think about uh the younger generation, some people would say um that oh it's easy for boys and girls nowadays because they can just, you know, uh they they have thousands of free videos on the internet about how to play guitar, this and that. But the problem is with all that information, they still have to filter the information and take what they really need in order to improve as musicians. And they have one thing that for me is really hard. When you release some music nowadays, you're not only competing with your own generation, you're competing with the Beatles with Zeppelin, forever, with Thing Lizzy, with Queen, everyone. Everything that has ever, ever been released is out there for free, thanks to technology. Mm. So all the information you need to improve your skills and become a better musician is there. But once you get that, once you learn, you know, how to play an instrument and write songs, you're going to compare yourself to everyone who has done that before yeah. you. And that's quite scary. But if you, know. you, if you think, do you, do you guys know the do you know the band Greta Van Fleet? Mm -hmm. yeah. You do. You know them. But yeah, they they're, do. They're this young up and coming band. I think they're from California. Um, and their first EP or album basically sounded a lot like Led Zeppelin. Now we're not talking mm -hmm. about copying riffs or nicking lyrics, but just the vibe, the guitar riff followed by a cool bass fill, and then a very bonhomie drum beat going. They were compared and they were and the quite vocal criticized. Style. Vocal style as well, yeah, that's actually one of the most. But Robert parts. Plant likes them. Yeah, you know, he does. But yeah, but they've me, suffered as well, just yeah. from, from you know. To me, they are a great young, innovative rock and roll band who have come up with the goods. They're a talented bunch of guys. They've put the F in, but all they get for their efforts is, are you just trying to sound like that? But we've had this before with um, Kingdom Come. Yeah, okay. they and, and it was a Led Zeppelin ripoff. And um, oh, we even had Ozzy Osbourne as um, written lead clones, or no, that was Gary Moore with Ozzy Osbourne singing like uh, as lead clones, and it was all directed at um, Kingdom Come, a German band. Right. So they've had it all before, but I I loved Kingdom Come. I like Lenny Wolf was the, uh, the the lead singer in the band, and they just said, "Oh yeah, he's trying to be Robert Plant," but it's like, yeah. But everyone Robert was Plant. trying to be like him. Yeah, but <laughs> that's, Robert Plant was an influence on him. An icon, and yeah, it's exactly. Like, and it's it's like it, you want to be like your heroes. 
you just wanted to like and if, and if you can pull it off and he could and it's the same with Greta Van Fleet that they like the Led Zeppelin sound they, 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 uh, they've sort of gone on record as denying it but it's, it's, no it's quite no it's quite obvious that one of their biggest influences are Led Zeppelin yeah. but the, the music they're putting out is quality and they're good at what they do mm. and they've got talent and they're working at it and it's right they're you're never going to please everybody. But good luck to them. Well, they persevered as well. They've stuck and at it. Like, well, and now they found their own identity, haven't they? They well, still yeah. sound a bit Zeppelin-y, Sh- but, but it's theirs we, now. Shouldn't we allow people to copy someone in order to learn how to do stuff? That's what we do, you know? Yeah. When you learn to do anything, when you learn to cook or drive a car, you're copying someone. You're copying your teacher. You're copying whoever is uh, showing you how to do that thing. So if you if you too young and you've listened to to one band like for most of your young life yeah. and then you just you know you just start writing songs that sound like your favorite band should it just oh stop there no I don't want to do this because I don't want to write any songs anymore because I I I don't have my own style or maybe you're too young for that maybe just keep doing it and maybe your album is going to sound just like someone from the 70s or 80s or 90s, but your next album is going to have some sort of identity. We came all the way here listening to Rush. I mean, not all the way, but we listened to, what, what song was that? Time Stand Still. Oh, Time Stand Still, yeah. From, um, uh, uh, yeah. we forgot the name of the album. It we wasn't Grace, because oh, I said it was Grace Under Pressure, but it was it actually from um, Hold Your Fire. Hold Your Fire. So great album, great song. And that is very electronic. They have a guest singer in the song. It's, and it's, it's more, maybe more keyboards than guitar in the mix. It's really, really interesting, really different. Yeah. Really 80s. But the first Rush album, you're going to agree with me, it sounds like Led Zeppelin. And they were oh. criticized by that. Oh, it's too much like Led Zeppelin. So, yeah, but that's the reference we have. We mm. wanted to depart from this and get somewhere, and they mm. did get somewhere. And find their own identity, in the end, which yeah. a lot of bands are are doing. But I still don't think that there's anything wrong with if a band wants to sound like Finn Lizzy, that's great. It's like you might not be as good as them, but we can see where your like influences have come from, and your heart is in it. And if you're good enough, you'll make it. And it, that's what, going back to what we said. You need the talent, but you've also got to work at it. Mm. Before you, you can't just have like the image, which is exactly what I, I think we first was talking about. It's like you can't say, "Yeah, I'm going to be like the new ACDC," but you, you need the talent and work on it before the image. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes I worry that. Some of the bands I see have got the image and it's... When you say image, you don't quite... just mean visually. You mean the act, right? Their it's, character. Yeah. Not just, not just what they're wearing or what they're yeah, like on stage. Sure You're talking about right. grunge, wouldn't you? Like that people well, seem yeah. to have a lack of, uh, no, uh, of it, visual preparation, but that's a style in itself. Yeah. It's like... Um, it's, it's okay if you've got the swagger on stage. Like a lot of, like we've seen, like... Freddie Mercury and even David Lee Roth, like those, those. Fun, love it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's great to have that swagger and to, to like uh, to have the look, to have that rock look. But that only works for me. It only works 
if you're good. If you can back yeah. it up. Yeah. If you can, if you can like, close your eyes and still enjoy it. But, but what's the music like? Yeah. And to me, that that's the key. You have to deliver the music first uh, and then you can have the swag around the stage. And it's the kind of the icing on the top, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? That, that, that's, I think that's where we first started this conversation of, like, what is, like, talent? And it's like, how much is talent and uh, how much do you, do you have to have a bit of talent and work on it? And then you come up with that analogy and uh, it's, like, perfect. Yeah, I, I see that. It's like talent can only take you so far. But you've got to make like the rest of it. I've had no talent, and honestly, and when I'm talking to these, these right, these guys are so talented. And when they're talking about bars and the, the music, and it's like honestly, it's like they're talking Martian to me. I we're making it up, man. No, you might well be, but it all seems to. It impresses me anyway. Johnny Felipe only has bars ahead of you in musical knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't, do, you know chord, do you know chords and scales? I can only count to four. He doesn't know what G sharp is. He just can count to four and look yeah. at two, two bars. <laughs> that's it. No, these, are letter. Uh, these not, guys are talented. It's not a chord. But it's like, I'm, uh, this is, honestly, when I listen to you two talk, uh, especially when you start talking about music and, and you get into the, the minutiae of... Um, like the intricacies uh, of it yeah it's the, honestly you've lost me and it is an education <laughs> for someone like me that I haven't got a musical bone in my body yeah but I know I love music and I know what I like maybe it can be like, a drummer if you don't understand music the closest yeah, it can get to be a musician to be a drummer to a test of too. what Johnny has just said I have had to work my arse off to become the level of bass player I have. And I don't I don't mean that in any sort of, I suppose, arrogant, confident way. But when I started playing bass, I found it very, very hard. And it took me a long, long, long time to get what we would call good. Now, part of that was, or a large part of that was that I went to the Institute of Music in London to study. Um, it's obviously where we met each other. And the lessons there were fantastic, but... All, all the teachers were there doing was passing on their knowledge. And like you said, we have to be the ones to filter out. So yeah. what did I do? I practiced four hours a day for three years in a row. Um, and that's why I can now back up my talent or back up, no, back up my stage persona, my confidence, my, my stage presence. I can back that up with musical ability for two reasons that were linked to what we've said. One um i have worked it and i know that i can play these bass lines because i've worked my ass off getting to the level and two because when we're on tour and we've played the songs 30 times for five times in rehearsal they and just then we flow yeah, yeah it flows i don't even need to we're at the stage now where i'm not even really looking at what i'm playing because i know where yeah. the notes are i know what's coming next so i think what you just said and my response maybe potentially answers one of your questions especially for me at least mm. personally it's like I've had to work hard to, to get to this level. And I am by far, or no, what am I trying to say? I'm very far away from being the best bassist on the planet. There are people, thousands of people who are incredibly talented bass players who work even harder, practice for two more hours per day. They go out to jam bars, um, to jam bars? to <laughs> bars sessions. to jam jam <laughs> sessions jam they go out to, uh, to bars to do jam sessions every night because they just want to play with people who are better themselves and better themselves because of that. Mm. I think I think uh, uh, performance 
is a result of preparation. I always say that it's it's an endless cycle, cycle yeah. performance, and it, you know you you do the preparation and then you perform, and yeah. then you think about what else do I need to improve my performance, and then you prepare yourself again. And the performance itself, if you're touring, you don't have too much time to practice. You're just like traveling all the time. So what happens is the performance becomes the preparation for the next performance. Yeah. But it's always a learning process. <laughs> well, never ends. That, that's why it, it's the old thing that people say, yeah, by midway through the tour, we was really tight. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a little bit loose. At the yeah. I mean, I'm not a musician, but I only listen to what bands say. And they, yeah. and it's like, and, and I must admit, I see it because sometimes I see a band that start uh, a tour and then by the end of it, it is like, whoa, this is just so good. You should never and record a live album the first week of tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's better to come, put it that way. <laughs> but do you know what? Someone, a tutor of mine, who was it? I can't remember. But um, he said that he's gone to see the Rolling Stones every year for the last 30 or 40 years since he's been musically, you know, enlightened by their music. Um and he said that every time he saw them, 85, 90, 96, 2010, every time he's seen them, when the Rolling Stones start a song, it's quite sloppy. Charlie Watts sloppy is the only bass. one keeping it together. And Keith Richards and who's the bass player? Ronnie Wood, they come in. They're a bit sloppy for a few Ronnie bars. A guitar player. Is he? Who's the bass player then? The bass player now is Darren Jones. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who was it before? Uh, it was, what's his name? You know his name. The Rolling Stones bass player. The first one. Oh, um, the How Crystal, Crystal Palace fan. Uh, <laughs> the guy who owned the restaurant. We know everything about him. Yeah, we know. Name. Oh, come on. He's a huge star. Uh, and he went off to France. Uh, <laughs> we literally well, we this don't, We can't name. Google this. No. If we, if we <laughs> Google this, embarrassed. That's it. how long it's going to take for us to figure out. Funny word. There's the guy Watts, who died. Brian Jones is the guy who died. And and Charlie Watts, Keith Richards. <laughs> he's he's a Crystal Palace fan. The Crystal Palace uh, fan. He loves Crystal Palace that yeah, much. He's a fan of <laughs> Was it, I got my mind set on you. Was it that him? <laughs> you think so? God, I yeah. his name. Oh, is he still alive? Yeah, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. It's just, I can picture him now. How can we? How can all three of us? How can all three of us? I don't know the Dennis, but it's like I can see his name. Right, it is. There's a Y in his name somewhere. You think? I'm sure. Okay. I'm going to be the one to find out. Bill Wyman. Bill Wyman. Yeah. Bill Wyman. Before I googled it, I didn't google it. Oh, that is shame on us. Bill Wyman. We're so sorry. We love you. The world's worst. We're the world's worst pub. Quiz team, aren't we? <laughs> For the Rolling Stones. Yeah. We're, we're oh, terrible with quizzes. We forget enough. everything when we need to, to remember. Anyway, uh, back to the Stones live. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Wyman, Ronnie Wood and Keith Richards would always take a few bars <laughs> to get into the group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we took a few bars. We took a few bars, But that's that to me is saying, and this is how I, how I look at it if I take a step back, they could put more time into becoming a tighter band if that's the case. Yeah. But they don't need to. Their talent has already taken them as far up the ladder as they need to go. And the songwriting. Yeah. And the, as well. the talent of the songwriting has already taken them to the top of the ladder. They could become a tighter band. 
But they don't need to. The audience don't care. Why, so why would you? And that's why they yeah. had Charlie Wards and they had uh, um, BY and they had uh, what's his if name? If you keep uh, the rhythm John. section strong, exactly. The groove is there, and yeah. then the other guys just play on top of it. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing that we're talking about. I just want to go back to one interesting thing about um, trying to sound like someone. When you're starting as a musician, it's going to be you know, loads of people say, "Oh, you shouldn't copy anyone." That's just impossible when you're starting because you, you need references. You need to try to sound like someone, and the whole the whole uh, idea of having an identity before copying someone is it's just I, I just can't accept this. What you need to do, like if you're copying one guy, let's say I'm a drummer, so I want to be like Ringo Starr. So I learned 20 Beatles songs, note per note, just like Ringo. Then I'm going to sound a bit like Ringo. Then mm. that's my only influence. That might be bad because I can never be as good as Ringo in that particular style. And then I start copying whatever uh, uh, um, Alan White from Yes or, or, or John Bonham or whoever I want to copy. And if I start, you know, mixing bits and pieces from all those guys, unless you are a professional drummer, you won't be able to identify every single influence. Then that's where identity actually yeah. happens. Mm. Is when you copy so many different musicians that you don't even know where the ideas are coming from because no ideas in this day and age in music, they're not, uh, no ideas are 100% original. You're mixing and matching yeah. stuff. When I used to, I used to study classical music as well, and I'd forever be going over symphonies and studying and looking at this one and that one and concertos and everything. And you'd find a bar of music, and you'd say, "Hold on, that looks familiar." And then you play on the piano. And I was with my teacher, and I said, "That's you know, I was studying Shostakovich's symphony." And I was like, "That bar, I've never heard, heard yeah. of that." This is this isn't is this the long live classic music podcast? No, it's, it's, it's um, getting true intellectual before rock. Show. When I, I saw a bar, you can just skip skip for you know one minute and then you keep watching. I saw two bars of music that had the notes on, and I said that this is this reminds me of something. And the teacher said, "Yeah, well, what he's doing there is he's quoting Beethoven." Which means he's taken two bars exactly from one of Beethoven's symphonies and put it in. Now you could call that a, a homage, which is tipping his hat to Beethoven, saying thank you for the ideas, or as my teacher said, you call it quoting. Now, what's the difference with Shostakovich quoting several bars of Beethoven's music exactly, mm. and Led Zeppelin doing well, a little guitar intro? You know, like this is the thing about you, identity. Why is one side different to the other? And you can get any songs with like. 37 chords and strip them down to the same three blues chords. Yeah, yeah. You know, they all come somehow from those three chords from blues mm. music. And uh, well, in popular well, I'm going, music, yeah, as if I, as if I know, <laughs> but I'm just. But it, 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 really, it really is. Uh, if, if, you, if you search for the roots of any popular music, you're going to end up finding Muddy Waters and Bo Diddley. And all those guys even, who started yeah. way before rock and roll. Was. Even today's music, you, I, I believe there, there'll so. be a normal path, yeah. Johnny. You kind of go today's music, the Beatles, the blues. Well, um, I was, I was, there's a few yeah. other bands in there, but we need to give the Beatles their due, like for changing. Pop well, if, if if you go if you try to like really trace back to the styles and listen to like pop music, like Jessie J, she was uh, she is a big fan of Prince. 
who was a big fan of Jimi Hendrix, who was a big fan of Muddy Waters, who started out by trying to sound like uh, uh, Lead Belly or whatever. Yeah. So, and then you go back to the same route. So Lead Belly was also an influence for for Credence and Paul McCartney and everyone else. So everyone comes from the same tradition. So everyone was copying someone and finding their own way of doing things and kind of accidentally coming up uh, with, with new ideas. And that's what talent is. Maybe mm. it's to be brave enough to uh, take ideas from someone else and, and turn them into your own style. You know? but, yeah. but now that the, the newer bands are taking ideas from what they consider to be the old bands, uh, like you're talking about Metallica, Iron Maiden, which to them are really old bands. To me, they're, they're, they're just still like, uh, because I grew up with them. You, they're, you they're, did, and it's impossible. But, <laughs> <laughs> are you older than me, Johnny? Yeah. A couple of years. A couple of years yeah. Just a couple of years. But <laughs> the... The newer bands, like they probably, because they weren't even alive when probably the Black Album come out or mm. Appetite for Destruction came out. So to me, the Black Album and Appetite for Destruction are, are new albums. Yeah. Like they're just like, so if a new band comes along and of course it's like, yeah, that sounds like something like, I don't know, My Michelle or something from Appetite for Destruction. Like you nick that from there. And it's like, but they're looking at albums where they weren't even alive. Mm. So it's like when we start talking about looking back at um, the really old blues people, yeah. it's like, so it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, uh, but these young kids, and they're, they're just doing what everybody else has done, what probably Robert Plant has done before yeah. taking old stuff from stuff before he was alive. That's what the newer bands are doing now. That's what I see. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's just that... Like you were saying, this day and age, new music is everywhere. So when you take something from somewhere, especially from a band that like are still playing now, so if you take something from Metallica, it's like we're going to pick up on that straight away. But back in the old days when Led Zeppelin picked up from plenty blues. of stuff from yeah. the blues, no one knew anything about it apart <laughs> from the people that and, were in and it. quite literally so that's, copying that's the, the lyrics. Now. No one would notice. Mm. Yeah, but now every nothing is hidden anymore. But there is a, a getting back to probably the original thing I said about what is talent and it's like how do you define that? It's like there's a guitarist that he's dead now, but I don't think anyone the nearest person to come to to playing guitar like he does for me is Joe, Joe Bonamassa has come near to him. Mm -hmm. It's Gary Moore. Because oh, every yeah. time I saw Gary Moore, yeah. there was nothing that Gary Moore couldn't do. It, it was like I'd feel safe when I knew. When he was playing, it wasn't he's not going to muck this up. Yeah. yeah. So you just knew that yeah. it's going to be a solid performance. How much preparation came before that performance? In so, it? and the only <laughs> one that comes near really to me is when I see Joe Bonamassa play, it's like, yeah, he's not going to muck up. Yeah. But, sorry, my, my point was there was a little story that I was just going to say that it, like uh, Gary Moore, even when he was at his peak, still was like learning. Or he well, he wasn't at his peak at this particular time, but you could see the, the hours that he put in because there's a story by Scott Gorham. He said, we went 
to we was on they were on tour in the states i think with they might have been playing with queen um but but anyway they went to a uh, a show to see um uh i think it might have been aerosmith or someone but the support band that night was um van halen <laughs> and eddie van halen started doing all this this stuff on the guitar and Scott Gorham says that Gary Moore after Eddie Van Halen had finished uh, playing like he'd never seen before he went straight back to the hotel room and he had to try and figure out how did he play that and this was Scott Gorham telling the story about Gary Moore and he said he turned around and after the first song he'd gone back to the hotel room and he he saw he and he said saw him like and he said he's trying to figure out so that to me is dedication and that's, that's drive what, drive to improve yeah exactly and what, what i said to you um about curiosity if you have that level of curiosity you, you want to really dig deep into whatever you find about your instrument about your voice about music mm. uh you know some people they, they they can watch someone playing like van halen and think well that's really interesting well whatever and just play a video game or, or read a book. And and some musicians will be, oh, that I've never seen that anything yeah. like that before. I want to try it. So How that level of curiosity, that's out. a talent. Yeah. A talent in itself, isn't it? Yeah, that's the yeah. drive and the talent. And that yeah. is why I just think Gary Moore pushed himself as far as he could possibly go. And that he just, if anyone could pick up a guitar and do whatever they wanted with it, it was him. Because he figured it out. And it was like, and it wasn't to... I got the impression it wasn't to rip off away. In fact, none of his songs ever sounded like um, anything that Eddie Van Halen did. But um, it was just, he wanted to know, how did he do it? He had to figure it out. Like, how is he making these sounds? I think you'll find a lot of artists and musical figures like that will often be the same. I think um, Hendrix, Zappa, Gary Moore... Um, there's a guy, a guy, a bass player I, I uh, know called Victor Wooten, um, who's probably considered the number one bass player in the world right now. Um, and he, he wrote a book called The Music Lesson, which is very philosophical and it's quite spiritual. But the whole point of it, to cut a long story short, is that the learning never stops. And I think you can say that as a guy who's been playing for 20 years. I can say it as a guy who's only been playing eight years. Iron Maiden will say it as guys who've been playing for nearly 50 years. The learning never stops. And as long as you can make money from it, you can enjoy it, you get satisfaction out of it, why would you not want to improve? That's exactly for one of those reasons. Exactly. On, on yeah. the way out. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, we kept talking about it. Then because, yeah. Well, because uh, you've had to learn um, some soul. Yeah, uh, yeah I've played with a soul band. Yeah. So like, uh, okay, I can I can do it, but what does that mean to me? It's like I need to kind of uh, not think about my rock and roll drum feels in order to play that style properly. Yeah. And if I've played a whole soul gig, which was the last gig I've played, and now I'm playing with Jack tomorrow, I'm going to bring a little bit of that soul into mm. rock and roll. That's a good thing. Yeah. That, to me, yeah. that's a good thing. Maybe I'm going to be I slightly do. more groovy tomorrow yeah. because of that. Oh, I look, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. no. I'll, I'll let yeah. you guys know after the gig tomorrow. Yeah. Um, if I sound like crap, don't let them know. Yeah. So. But anyway, but, I think that, I think but, that brings the... Do you have anything yeah. to say, John? No, I was just to say, every day is a school day. Even for you 
musos. It's <laughs> yeah. like, uh, oh. I mean, well, I, I suppose in any walk of life, really, it's like uh, I have to learn new technology. No, I'm a service engineer and new technology comes along and I have to learn it. So to, it, it's the same. It's just whatever we do, we have to learn. Every day is a school day. Yeah. But yeah. it's nice to know that you guys are still, like, it's still a challenge. Like, There's so much. We've just started. There's, oh. I can't even, yeah, yeah I can but think. But I watch that. you guys play, and it's like you to write. Uh, as I say, I don't play an instrument, but I look at you guys, and I just think you're on stage, and I know that you know what you're doing because you're having so much fun. Yeah. Because if you wasn't, if you were struggling with it, you wouldn't have the big smiles on your face, and you wouldn't be you wouldn't be standing up and bashing your drum because you know what you're doing. But you know when we play a, a brand new song, like something that maybe Jack just has just written the song and recorded another day, whatever, yeah. and they need to perform it live, you're gonna see a different visual performance for that one. You're gonna see us looking a bit more serious, yeah, but you a bit never, more focused. You, like, you oh, never I showed that though. You, you, you don't show it, but everyone's seen it. Well, you hide it well. I, I know what he means because I try to do that stuff. That's our professionalism. I think we, we can't look like we're playing a new song. For In the my time. case, it's because I was an actor. You know, <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I, I have to yeah. say, I did acting for a while, and yeah. I know how to pretend I I know what I'm doing, even when I'm not. And that's what he Can said. Can I just that. say, so my whole life is just an act. Just to get through, <laughs> just to get through the days. That's the best quote of the day. Shall we end on that? Only if it doesn't detract from the fact that you've got to work hard and practice. But yes, other than that, my whole act. life is an act. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the title of your biography. <laughs> my whole life is an act, Johnny Della. And we'll end on that note. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. That massive yeah. thanks to Johnny for joining us. Like we said, we don't know where this is going to slot in. We've got a few episodes planned with Johnny. Maybe some are out by now. Maybe this is the first you hear of it. So thank you very much for guesting on the Tour Diary thank series, you. Johnny. Yeah, and All good. long live rock and roll. Always, yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you. You can find us on our social media. We are at Long Live RNR Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can search the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast on YouTube and Facebook. He is at feed underscore the drummer. I am at Laz Unleashed. You don't do Instagram. I'm nowhere. He's no. He's just Johnny Della. He's the mystery of the of the band. He just turns up. Um, but anyway, yeah. So any like anything safely, Bay? I just keep on rocking, everyone. Thank you, guys, and as always, long live rock and roll. <laughs>